Hey gang, welcome to episode 77 of the No Proscenium Podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the entertainment capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. Our guests on the show this week, old friends of the show, Lauren Ludwig and Monica Miklas of Capital W. They're coming along to uh, give us a, a, a post-show update on the latest run of Hamlet Mobile. Lessons learned from the road of the remount. Wow, that almost sounded like I, I blew a scripted bit, but I'm making this up off the top of my head like I usually do. But first, here's a bit that you should be familiar with if you're a fan of the show. going to talk a little bit about Drafty. What is Drafty, you want to know? Well, Drafty is a computer-aided design program that's built for the work of theatrical and event design professionals. We're talking about lighting, projection, and sound design. If you do any of that, there's a good chance that you do, and you're looking for a way to save money on a modern computer-aided design program, well, Drafty might just be who you want to check out. All right, it's uh, built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers by a theatrical designer. Um, that's a lot. Like, the people who do the work should make the tools, and that's what's going on <clears throat> at Drafty. So lighting, sound, projection design, all are supported. It's priced to be affordable, and uh, you should find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. Drafty's been a massive help this year, and i um, so glad that uh, they, they've been along for the ride. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. So, he's an old friend. All right, uh, let's talk some news and some notes. We definitely have a few things for you this week. Uh, let's actually start in San Francisco. Uh, Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive, uh, he wants to give you guys something if you're up there. He wants to offer up something for free. Now, uh, the show's getting out a little late, so the Friday part of this isn't so great, but Saturday and Sunday, they've got extra tickets, some free tickets to David Byrne's show in Menlo Park. That is uh, over at the Pace Gallery. It's called uh, The Institute Presents Neuro Society. Uh, Epic Immersive helped cast the piece. Uh, and yes, David Byrne, as in the talking heads, David Byrne. Um, the free tickets, if you want to check it out, if you want to find out uh, if you can get in on this, email collaborate, the word collaborate, at epicimmersive.com. All right, so if you're up in the Bay Area and you don't have plans this weekend, and you want to check out something immersive uh, made by one of our, by an American genius. Let's just put it that way. Let's let's just make it easy on ourselves. Wait, is he American? I think he might be British. God, did I just out myself as not knowing all that much about the talking heads, despite having grown up in a world that was in some ways defined by the talking heads? Yeah, I think I did. I think I just did that. Meh, whatever. I'm going to go see Star Wars. Makes it all up for it. It's 2016, everybody. It's 2016. And that's going to be my excuse for everything for all time. For all time. For all time. Anyway, David Byrne, brilliant person, probably not actually American, not going to Wikipedia it, never claimed to be a music head. There you go. I'm a theater person. Blurg. Um, yeah. <laughs> Everything was going so well. I could restart. 
I'm not going to. Um, Steve's got the tickets for you. Collaborate at epicimmersive.com. Okay, let's talk about Los Angeles. Let's talk about some stuff that's going on here that's uh, coming up for New Year's, right? So we're all trying to figure out what we're going to do for New Year's. How are we going to kiss this year goodbye? Well, we've got a few options for you. Um, in, in the general, like, general sense, a few options for you. Uh, but specifically, what I wanted to talk about with you guys is uh, something that uh, Liam Moore uh, flagged to us. He's the creator behind this. Now, Liam Moore, uh, he did an event uh, called Bambi, a sad girl dance party, which sadly I didn't get to go to. Um, that rhymes internally, kind of, if you consider the same word. Anyway, uh, Liam's uh, worked before uh, with uh, Secret Cinema and Punch Drunk in London. Um, so you might want to get on this train. Uh, he's turning the standard downtown here in LA into quote, a Blade Runner playground for the evening. And there's various ticket levels available. Um, there's some immersive stuff, uh, the disco dining, uh, club, which we've uh, talked about in the newsletter before they're doing a meal as part of this. There's some burlesque going on. Uh, there's going to be some, some interactive stuff happening and it just feels like a, a big immersive party. We, we occasionally go into this realm. It's New Year's Eve. You know, we're going to put in the newsletter, so you can check out the details of that as it hits this weekend. Uh, we also got um, we got the folks at uh, Lucent, uh, the, the, the Lucent Enchantment Society, uh, the people who put on Lucent Dossier. They reached out to us, and I kind of reached back because they've got something going on this month uh, on the 29th at Clifton's Republic. I'm not going to be around here for that. Um, so I've asked for them for a little bit more information. It sounds like it's going to be a, a Lucent Cirque show at Clifton's with some immersive kind of ambient elements. I've asked for some more details. Haven't got back to me yet, but there you go. Uh, that's another event coming up. Um, you know, the newsletter is going to come out like tomorrow. So I'll, I'll, I'll probably pop it in there with like, you know, one of those like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Um, I do know that I'm going to check out Have You Seen Jake, which turns out to be um, in uh, central Orange County, um, which, you know, I was going to talk about this next week in regards to the show. Um, I just, if if you're if you're submitting to NoPro um, or if uh, we, we find you or if we reached out to you, we've talked to you, um, or just in general when you're, when you're doing this stuff, um, and I know that locations change, but I talk to folks and they'll say like, oh, I bought a ticket for this thing and it turns out it's like nowhere where I expected it to be. Um, that's really hard here in Los Angeles. So just take that as a note. It's not, a, it's not a knock on the quality of the show. Can't talk to the quality of the show. Haven't seen the show. Um, but just people, people have a hard time planning their lives around transit in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, give us, give us like a 10 mile radius would be kind of nice. Um, like when you say like, you know, we, we know what we're talking about here, right? You know, are you West side of LA? Are you downtown? Are you East side of LA? Uh, are you, are you like towards Pasadena, out Pasadena way? Are you in the Valley? Are you out on the coast? Are you in Orange County? 
Um, mostly I say this because I know someone who bought tickets for Friday thinking it was going to be in LA and it turns out it was in Orange County. I'm going on Sunday, so I got it okay. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I nearly booked stuff that would have kind of conflicted. Um, and when you are doing the secret location thing, you, you, you got to give a ballpark. You got to give a ballpark. You got to give a ballpark. I'm just firm on that. I should assert myself more often. I'm firm on this one. You say with me, gotta, what, give, what, a ballpark. Give a ballpark. That was really annoying. It was meant to be annoying. We're going to move on. Uh, now here's the part where I cop to screwing up. Um, earlier this week, I had a most excellent interview with Anthony Bat of Weaver. Weaver is a VR studio out on the west side. They've been in the mix longer than just about anybody. Uh, they've worked worked with John Favreau, Reggie Watts, Run the Jewels. Uh, they created the Blue, which was this uh, one of the early experiences for the Vive that really like shook people up and showed them what room scale that could be like. Um, they've been working with Seed and Spark, who are some friends of ours in the crowdfunding filmmaking space. They're innovators, true innovators in virtual reality. And we set up a call and we recorded that call. Well, there's the trick. Anthony and I had a, a fantastic conversation, like just an amazing conversation. Um, and the computer ate it. I was relying on some software that I don't normally rely on. And despite testing it, um, it ate the thing. I, um, I've been doing interviews for better part of 20 years. I started young. <laughs> I started, I started in high school, so I'm not that old. I'm that old. Um, I've, I've had the computer or the audio equipment eat. I want to say five interviews, five interviews over the years. I've dreaded it since I was 16 years old. The damn thing, eaten an interview. And uh, this was probably the best interview that ever got at by one of my machines. So I hope you're happy, Audio Hijack. Um, you lived up to your name, you highwaymen of audio software, you. Why do I tell you these things? Why, why am I airing this? Because next week, I'm going to write up a piece for our collection at Medium, which tries to uh, hit on all the notes that Anthony and I talked about. So there you go. So a product will uh, emerge from this. And hopefully at some point, uh, they will deign to let me speak with them again on the record and uh, you'll get an episode out of it because we're we're gonna we're taking this we're taking this into new territory, this whole no proscenium thing. It's happening. It's happening. Speaking of territory, here's some turf that we're rather familiar with and enjoy greatly. Um, we've done more than one episode about the Hamlet mobile here on No Proscenium. I think this might be our fourth. Um, it's the first one about the remount. There is. If you're curious, if you've seen Hamlet Mobile, 
but have never experienced our, our first full Hamlet mobile podcast. Cause I think we did a, a short episode in the van with Lauren during the original run. And then after the original run in 2015, um, we invited the cast to come and do an episode in character. And that's one of mine, if not my favorite episode of the podcast, but it is fully self-indulgent because I know that, you know, at the time, not that many people had seen Hamlet mobile. So it's sort of ridiculous in that there's this this in-character thing, but it is a blast. And if you if you want to, go check the feed and find it. This is not that. This is Lauren Ludwig, the director, and Monica Miklas, the producer, um, talking with us about the lessons they learned in this remount, the challenges, what was new, what it's like coming back to material that they've worked on before and discovering new things, the evolution of Lauren's craft, um, the insight that they gained... Uh, you know, in how they did it because Hamlet Mobile is mobile, right? So for those who don't know, Hamlet Mobile is a series of small, you know, short plays, uh, you know, less than around 10 minutes long, give or take, that are usually performed for one to two people at a time uh, in and around a van. Hamlet Mobile. It's the Hamlet Mobile or the ham van, as I like to call it. Um, it was one of my favorite things in 2015. It remains most Excellent and awesome. And we're going to dive right in to the lessons learned. And as always, there's some wonderful philosophy about how this all works and some nice practical talk. So uh, let's uh, hit that Chris Porter music up and get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Um, <laughs> feels very Charlie Rosian. <laughs> or Terry Gross. Or Terry Gross. Yes. Hi, do, Terry. Yeah, Hi, Terry. Yeah. At this point, I would do Terry, and I just have to say, it's such an honor to be talking to you. <laughs> thank it, you so much. For I love you. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Thank. Thank goodness it's it's not one of those. Um, <laughs> it is not an honor to be talking to you. No, no it's not. I'm 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 just a parasite. So let's be, let's oh be honest God. here. Not um, true. Lies <laughs> now. This is I just do the show to fish for compliments. Like it's just that's the real name of the show. Like all the file names are actually fishing for compliments number seventy eight. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's a great way to do it. Um, y'all just wrapped a run of the second run of Hamlet Mobile. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about sort of, you know, what you learned coming back to the piece from from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. So this is probably going to be a more wonky show, and we'll, yeah. we'll get into theoreticals because because Lauren and I we talk theoreticals and plots all the time, mm-hmm. and we learned some things about the world of Hamlet Mobile too. In yeah, a big way. yeah, definitely. There was artistic. The story got deeper and richer. Yeah. Yeah, so there was good artistic lessons, but there were definitely a lot of production lessons. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's let's just start so let's actually start with the world. That's kind of interesting cuz like mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious what you learned about the the world of the moving shadow this time, you know, and and how did you wind up learning? Was it, you know, mm-hmm. as part of like the secondary rehearsal process cuz I guess let's start with what was different. What was sure. what was different? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we had to recast uh, one of our major actors from the first run. Um, Hunter, who was in our first production and was quite excellent, uh, he has had a baby since the first run. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it isn't, to be fair, if we were doing a very intense remount, if we had been doing maybe fewer performances, he probably still could have done it. Yeah. But it was going to be so, so intensive. So uh, he couldn't quite swing the schedule this time. So we recast the part uh, with an actor uh, named Frank Smith, who is my... Full disclosure. Full disclosure, he's my husband. Uh, nepotism. I know. I know. Jeez. I know. He slept his way to the top. So he, um, but he's really, really great at Shakespeare, and I hadn't gotten to use him before in one of the immersive shows I've been doing. So that was quite exciting. And he came in and played some of Hunter's parts. But then um, I had also had this original vision for a fifth performer presence in the show that we had just kind of run out of casting time to kind of mm. make real in the original. Um, and so then I cast a new fifth actor, a totally new part. Um, that was played by Eli uh, Weinberg, who w- had already uh, done And the Drum with us. Yeah. And so he came in as this sort of additional presence. And so w- the way that the original process worked, we did so much devising off of the real stories and sort of spirits and souls of the actors in the room. Um, you know, their real presences. Uh, so we did the same thing, but in real quick miniature. So right. once Frank was there, once Eli was there, it was undeniable that who they are in the ecosystem of the moving shadow is absolutely different than Hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't slap them into Hunter's deal. Yeah. So. Well, and, I, and from a meta level, the way I read it was that these were these were different characters. Like, yes. like yeah. theoretically, like Hunter could be out there somewhere and it's just a matter of like who gets swapped in to play. Because you don't, you know, Hunter plays the gravedigger and he plays Claudius and he plays Hamlet Sr. in, in, in one of the pieces. And mm-hmm. so thus Frank was doing the same thing. Yeah. But because Frank was playing a different character, like that meta level gets to be like, well, you know, like today it's this. That's and then, right. Yeah. And then and what gets interesting there is because the 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 gravedigger and mm-hmm. and having having done that twice now, right? And what was funny was like while I was doing it, I was remembering bits of it mm-hmm. and like like so like it winds up feeling a little bit like deja vu but at the same time like frank who i know frank and i are, are kind of having this conversation that's still on theme it's still on topic because the prompts are there to kind of guide us into it but it was very much more a, a frank and noah conversation in the context of this designed conversation and that's one of the things that i thought was really interesting was that particularly coming off of and the drum where some of the scenes in that piece are really about setting up the prompts for a conversation yeah. and, and how much of the structure is there. Yeah. And so is that, I'm starting to feel like that's almost like signature to what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I would go, I'm not sure if I would say that yet, um, but I, it, it is a space that we were really fascinated by in And the Drum and coming back <coughs> into Hamlet Mobile something Lauren wanted to do was push more into where we could experiment with the immersive form. We realized yeah. that in the original version of Hamlet Mobile, we hadn't gone nearly as far as we'd gone in And the Drum in encouraging interactivity. Mm. And so I think coming back to it, we saw more opportunities because we'd had the experience of watching that semi-structured conversation flow in And the Drum. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's like with Hamlet Mobile, we always want there to be a range of levels of interaction. Mm. So that I like the fact that when you come back to the different pieces, you always have to learn new rules every time. 
like you can't you're always a little unsettled you're not quite sure how interactive how deep this one's going is this more listen is this more talk so um we still want to keep that but within the ones where there was more interactivity we definitely went farther and particularly the gravedigger felt like a no-brainer for that because it already wanted to be a conversation. Yeah. And Hunter, as an actor, originally his natural improvisational vibe had already pushed it farther in that direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now in this rewrite with Frank, it was just about inserting more overt questions to prod and, and sort of open up that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I actually found myself when I did that piece with Frank as an audience member... I, it happened to me too, and I knew what was going on. Yeah. That's what's really striking about this kind of work is that even if you know what's going on on the back end, you still feel caught up yeah. in it. I, I yeah. told Frank a story during The Grave Digger. Yeah. I told him this whole thing about the golden bow. And he's like, Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. It's, it's, I can't remember what, I feel like I wound up telling him a bit of a story as well. I can't remember what it, what it was now. But, and, and, and you'd have that and then like the slipping back into the text right. and that, that interplay there and, and how to kind of gear shift between thing to thing. Yeah. Frank's, one of Frank's gifts as an actor is to, I thought was being particularly seamless about gear shifting back in. It, I think he was really good at playing that he had just thought of this new thing that I know is on script, but, and you might know cause you've done it once before is on script. <laughs> but I know some people who it was their first time really didn't know. Yeah. Which is what we were also aiming for in the dinner scene in And the Drum. Yeah. And to kind of speak to your first question, like, I, I, I agree. I'm not... I guess it's signature to us in that, like, it's become a point of real creative interest. Yeah. And I still have it in my brain, and Monica and I are still talking about doing a piece that's entirely that. Mm. It's yes. enti it's an it's a evening-long conversation between you and an actor or two audience, two actors, um... In fact, we were actually sort of casting for the workshop version of that piece when we got into Indicate and decided to put a pin now. Yeah, remat Hamilton and put a pin in the other idea. This is all, all Sam and Maya's fault. So. We derailed your yeah, entire fall. It's true, plans. but you know, but honestly, it was great because one of the ideas it, it, it was meant to be beyond the fact that I really wanted to redo Hamilton and we did learn so much doing it, and it was really an important, I think coming of age and bit of growing pains in a really healthy way for capital W from a production level, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute here, mm -hmm. but it was really important. And it also made me really reconceive what we'd been planning to do in the fall. Right. And I think I want to strip it down and do a simpler version of it, which mm. I'm not even sure we've talked much about, but no. I have a version that's been rattling around in my head. That's just one actor, one audience, and it's shorter mm. And it's actually probably more darkly comedic than anything we've done. That's intriguing. It's funnier, which um, I want to experiment with more with like comedy maybe in this space and kind of bridge the sort of sketch comedy side of my interest with the immersive side of my interest. I think, I think finding a way to do comedy in this space intentionally, as opposed yeah. to unintentionally, is, is going to be really interesting <laughs> challenges. Let's talk about the production challenges, though. Yeah. Um, what, what, because I have some observations that, that, I think I can like toss your guys' way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of both both what I perceived and what some people told me. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm curious before we go there, um, what you sort of drew out of it and what you saw as like some of the, the, the stumbling blocks here. Because this was such a very different way of doing it than before. Because yes. previously yeah. the you know, both the fringe and the fringe extension, and even in the indicate, 
run were all within the context of a festival going yes. on. And this was an independent run of the piece. And I think that that leads into the primary lesson that we learned about it, uh, which is that this run behaved very much like a, a regular theater run, where early shows were quieter, there was a bit of a lull in the middle, and then at the end, we were totally sold out for the last week and didn't have enough spots for all the people who wanted to come. And mm. unfortunately, in our case, we couldn't extend, so people got turned away at the end, which is how a, a show that goes well in a... Like a 99 seat In a 99 seat yeah. house usually goes. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. the pattern. Yeah, I'll go so far as to say I don't think it... I think it was a noble failed experiment. Mm. Uh, I I'm, I'm couldn't be happier we rerounded it. And artistically and creatively, the work we put out there, the, this new group of actors, the revisions. We did a couple of significant writing revisions to pieces. Huge all that. Yeah, huge in one case. I wrote a whole new piece from scratch. I couldn't have been happier about that. I feel like just production-wise, it doesn't work to do it this way. You know, yeah. I think we underestimated how well we had built the original thing to work at a festival, just yeah. to kind of like blow our own, own horn or whatever. Yeah. But, no, but it I, was perfect. It was form suited to function and at a festival. it worked really well. Yeah, yeah. so the, the important things when you're doing it at a festival is there are a bunch of people who have time to kill. Yeah. There, um, there are people who've paid an admission fee, and so doing um, you can offer it free. And the, when it's free, it's a different set of expectations than if it's paid. Yeah. Um, additionally, um, you, I think because it's the festival and there's people hanging around, the sort of pressure to like build a fandom around it is feels negligible. If somebody really likes it, they get to keep trying to come back. If somebody's just like, I was a one-timer, great. I, we, don't, we kind of noticed fewer differentiations. Mm. When you go over to the professional run, a couple of things immediately happen. Because we have to sell, because we're selling tickets in advance, we have to decide where we're going to be in advance. And then they're locked. You're locked into you're a locked location. In. So even if a location doesn't actually work that well, we're stuck. You're stuck because yeah. we sell the tickets. Additionally, when you sell somebody something, their mm. own sense of emotional expectation is different. Yeah. So for example, on nights where we had trouble parking the van because it was just a crazy night where we were going, so the texts went out to patrons kind of late about where we were. I yeah. felt like there was some patron, understandable patron dissatisfaction about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's fair. They paid and they told they were told they'd be told an hour before. And they weren't because we just couldn't find parking. Because yeah. it was a crazy night. There was like an accident on the 101 or whatever. So it was because the mobile nature of the piece, it actually needed to have some flexibility built into uh, audience expectation. And I don't know that we managed that quite as successfully as we, we had hoped to. Yeah, I think you also, doing it this way, we lost some of the mystique. Yes. Mm. And the mystery. Yeah. Absolutely. About the first run, which yeah. is you don't know where we're going to be. Yeah. You have to yes. show up. It made it kind of a game yes. to find us. Yeah. And that the, wasn't the what fair. the hell is this thing? The right. what the hell yeah. is this thing factor goes away. Right. So then, I mean, and additionally, I think because of that, so then this really interesting split happens in the audience. There is, I, we'll have to calculate real percentages on this. I'm not sure offhand, but there is a small percentage of people who become incredibly intense Super fans. Right. We developed this like sort of small but passionate fandom. More people collected all eight in this run than in the Fringe Festival originally. Yeah. Because more people got committed. Because I think there back. was only like, what? five of us in the first one or if that I think you were the only you're person you the only person not I just wanted to make sure that that was said no I will, it's, it's on the record the only person not married to someone <laughs> yeah that's true that, there, I think so, there are a couple spouses yeah it's a couple spouses yeah. yeah yeah Frank saw the originally but but so then okay so there's that 
Then there's, uh, in this one, it's more like, I want to say five or six people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, if any of you are listening, we are going to be mailing your commemorative bumper stickers out uh, before the Ooh. holidays. So. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, that was awesome. Um, but then the rest are definitely like one to three shows, I would say. Yeah. Single to three, three-time writers. So um, that, uh, it just became, yeah, I just could feel also the energy at the box office. I felt that the audience would have that less sense of buzzing of I'm doing something special and more a sense that I'm coming to my friend's particularly logistically challenging show. Mm, does that yeah. make sense? Just a no, it does. It does. Because like, I, I talked with some folks and like... Because the the factor, I'm actually I, I love everything I'm hearing you guys say because I think like yeah. you guys, you guys definitely get it, which doesn't surprise me at all that you wouldn't. I feel like oftentimes we wind up wind up on the same page. Yeah, and like what people sugarcoat it. Yeah, <laughs> and and what's the point? Well, well not even like sugarcoat. It's like not like not bothering me. Sugarcoat it, but also like perceiving the same issues. Yeah. and like something sure. that people during the run were saying was like, they're like, oh, like I got to go all the way over there, and it's like. It, when you're at the festival, it's like, well, I'm already there. Yes, but then yeah. when it's like, oh, I spent I spent ten dollars to and I had to travel an hour for fifteen minutes and yeah. then this. Yeah. And yeah. So suddenly, becomes, and then I go home. And then I go home. And like so the, fast. Yeah. I know. And yeah. it was really it was it, it it was really striking me like oh it's it's such a good thing in a festival yes and it, it's so hard for it to exist out and then yeah. there were times right. when like Sam and I were talking as well. Um, Sam Roberts of Indiecade, uh, who's one of your your, your old friends, mm-hmm. um, and and we were thinking like, well, what if it was like was like a taco truck, and it was it was just like kind of like popping up, but yes. like you know just selling mm-hmm. to people who were like there, who happened to be there. Yeah, we talked about doing yeah. that. And we were supposed to do that actually. On this yeah, one. we had we had planned, but I mean, it's the scary to kept like dropping down. Yeah. But we wanted to do it, and we wanted to do it on Twitter, and those would be our free shows, and then it's more accessible, and it just became. It's hard to commit to that. It's yeah. hard to schedule. It was hard. I mean, financially, that would yeah. have been really tough for us because yes. we paid our crew and our actors on this run, that was and which important. was really important yeah. to and us. And a change from the first run. Yeah. yeah. Paid no yeah. one was paid in the first run. Yeah. So, but, and it wasn't very much, but the economics really <coughs> start to change fast. Yeah. Correct. And, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll say like, yeah, so a couple of things we were aiming to do on this run, or I think that didn't quite, that fell a little short that would have mitigated some of this stuff. Yeah, one is what you're talking about, which is the pop-up shows, which immediately just got cut from the schedule, um, but we had hoped to do. And then the second thing was, I think we didn't put enough, we, we didn't have the production resources to put enough time and energy into picking special locations. Yeah. Imagine mm. the whole run again in your head, but every place that the show, the truck is going to be is somewhere super special. Either it's already a street fair or festival for the right. night, or it's right next to Griffith Park Observatory. Yeah, it's somewhere magical. Or yeah. is that a, a next to a bar that lots of people go to? And we encourage people. people are going. Like the best yeah. nights were when we were right outside Bootleg Theater. Yeah, because you would just walk into the bar. So yeah. I think if we were to redo it again from scratch, that would be the one. And we could only change one thing. I'd change that because yeah. that would have made the night feel special. Well, for that folks. that's become something that that's still hard to do because like uh, another so one of your Indicade mates, the Speakeasy Society, they remounted the key, and. I remember, I mean, they managed to find a location to do it, but oh, it good. was a struggle mm-hmm. yeah, to, to, to do that. And like we were, you know, they, they had me hit up a, a spot and just getting people into the dialogue. So it's, it's this weird thing where as the scene continues to grow, making that case of even with something that's mobile and it can pop up of like, yeah. oh, can I put this in your parking lot? Right. And people are still like, oh, what, what the hell is this thing? I don't understand what well, you're trying to do. I mean, yes. it's funny to think about 
how similar it is to a food truck because with food trucks, I worked on a food truck long ago. Yes, yeah. I always forget about that. Yeah. Um, and it actually, it's really difficult to find those kind of special locations. Like yeah. people spend a lot of time trying to set stuff up that and like sense. not every bar wants you to come and hang out in front of their yeah. place because they might have chicken wings and they don't want your truck. And so I think people who run really successful food trucks are really good at making those kinds of connections yeah. and being in the know and talking their way into places and fairs. And well, and there's like even like food truck middlemen who like no, like yeah. run, Ooh. they, they like, they kind of like run certain streets, right? Whoa. Like, what? and it's not even necessarily legitimately. No, like, like turf wars. Yeah, like really. Like, they'll, uh. they'll, they'll roll up through. But there's kind of a detente between some of them. It's like, because, you know, some food trucks are, like, are reliably at a certain location. Right. And it's this constant negotiation between, like, the venue itself, the food truck, and then some people hold the permits. Yeah. Like, it's all... Yeah, it's bathroom funky. letter. It's yeah. Cool. Well, it becomes its own... Like you're saying, it becomes its own job. I mean, yeah. basically, Monica and I are probably on the still the smallest of the small end of our permanent staff or personnel for our theater company. It really is just the two of us permanently right now with a yeah. couple of like really good friends of the company who help out with stuff. Yeah. So I feel like to do what we're talking about, it would have taken another third, as committed as us person, to just obsessively obsessively reach out to places. Manage yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah, and neither of us with our other stuff could have done it this time around, but I, I think that's a, that would have been so helpful. Yeah. And that's something that probably other immersive companies have experienced, I'm assuming, is that sense of, like, we need a person who's just, like, a locations master. Yeah, like a location scout. Yeah, like a film, basically. Yeah, yeah. no, I think I think there's an entire level where that's, that's one of the big donut holes yes. in the community right now. Mm. And it isn't necessarily somebody that would have to be in a particular... You know, company, but like someone no, that everyone could true. like turn mm-hmm. to to like be managing those relationships. Although there's like also the whole idea. level where people want to use a, a fresh location every time. But I keep on thinking like, well, that's great. Everyone can trade those fresh locations. Right. It's like you have enough Fuck of them. them right? Right. You know, also, yeah. like I don't. You know, I know some people feel that way, and and I think if that's part of your mission and it's it's artistically supporting the work you're doing, the individual piece, I get that. But I have no qualms about repeating a location and imbuing it with different energy i'll just say for us i mean we own we now own a van we own the van so, yeah. so i will uh, there's a version where it becomes it will it'll hamilton bill's not set uh, up in a way where it has to be permanently installed in the van so there's a version where a hamilton bill gets loaded out and we load in another show like a traditional theater yeah. and it becomes our weird tiny theater yeah um I think that that's a real option for us, and and I, I do get that. I get that why other companies want to do that, especially when they're very site specific. That's kind of their vibe and deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm I feel more flexible about that. I, I do. What I would love is what you're saying. I wish there was a central person or database or something that some resource sharing on that would be awesome. Yeah. Some someone's gonna do something about that. When people are reaching out individually, <laughs> you know, it's like when Speaky Easy was looking. I. They mentioned, they're like, do you know of any, you know, yeah. things? I'm like, well, here's what I know. It's just my little limited corner of knowledge, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but where did they end up, by the way, with the key? I can't, I, it was, I can't remember the exact location. Like, finally I was told. Was it a parking lot, though? Was it? It was, it, I think it was a parking lot of, oh. of somebody. For a minute oh. there, we were trying to, like, in the back of, like, Dinosaur. That didn't wind up working out. Interesting. Um, I think there was also, because they were, they were doing a night run. You know, mm-hmm. and like that's, yeah, that's you know, depending too. on, depending on where, but it even winds up being like the same sort of scenario. It's like you yeah. want to have, you want it to be like a food truck where you can roll up in a place where people can like then walk in. That's right. Yeah. Although with this step, it's almost like the exact opposite. Like you want to play, 
place where we can like see this thing and then go walk into a bar where there's food. Yeah. So people can have like a full night. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. as part of what they're doing. Yeah, I think the two. I think if we were to for Hamlet Mobile, when Hamlet Mobile comes back again, because it will, I think it's going to be all about building on this this round of learning in terms of, you know, for single day long festivals in Los Angeles, weekend long festivals in Los Angeles. And then I know we want to start applying for other festivals we could drive to other fringe festivals. And if we do that, I think the major next thing is we want to put more money into a big upgrade on the set so that the set can be genuinely mobile. Right Mm. now it looks mobile when you're in it, but there's actually setup and takedown every time we drive it, which is quite uh, labor intensive. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to, um, it needs to actually be what it says it is. That's right. And and that was all, you know, Shinger production designer did a wonderful job. It was just entirely about the original budget constraints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it would be great to now put more money into it to get it it, where it needs to be, where it can, as you said, be what it says it is. Yeah. As opposed to the illusion of it. Yeah. Well, there's definitely... There's, there's some ideas to like float and find, but it's still part of this massive attempt to get people to understand. I feel though like this year yeah. we've we've had a bit of an inflection point and that more people are understanding and it's getting more more coverage here in town. So it's getting, yeah. it's getting a little it's easier. Yeah, I have this funny other half of my life where I work in film and TV and I go into these meetings with television executives and I, the immersive stuff comes up actually a lot. Really? Mm, and nice. so there's this thing where I'll be like, and I do immersive theater and there's that moment where I'm like, do you understand? Based on, I like read if they know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I, I feel like half the time they do... Every, by the time I say sleep no more, everybody, everybody does, of gets course. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah, that's uh, the they've, one They've thing instinctively learned to like not not know that. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I know. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. I was there. Yeah. I was there. It's like I've like, said like, Hamilton or something. Yeah, you know? Like, oh, yeah. well, I, we know that. We know yes, that. I, I've been twice. Yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there's definitely still a bridge. There's a, look, those are the most far out people. It's not like our goal is to reach television executives. But I think yeah. they're, but if they're used as like people that could and should probably know about that because they're trying to find talent in a weird way. Yeah. I feel like there's more of a move, but there's still a, a there's I would there's still a bridge that needs to be made. I think between like people getting it as an art form in general and realizing it's happening in such an amazing way in LA. Yeah, that's the thing that's still happening. Yeah, is like yeah they get yeah. it, but they don't know how to find it here. Yeah. Um. So of course I always am like. The no presidio. The no presidio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's but good. like legit. That's like I was like, yeah. well, there's only one way. I, I well, well yeah, no, yeah. let me tell you. It's yeah. like one um, nice, nice man who's just like <laughs> centralizing Made information. Yep. Yeah. So no, I, I I agree. I don't know. It's so biased for us in terms of we just got into the world so aggressively a year and a half ago. So it's all through that lens for me. I can't tell if there is more of what you're saying or if it's just because. I'm now involved, so it seems to me that I know more. Right, I know more people doing it because I keep meeting people within the Mm, circle. I mean, my measure, I mean, I know, I know the range of the people who are are making it. And then I also know that, you know, here in town, say, we have, like, the the My Haunt Life guys have their podcast, and they're coming out of the horror world. But, like, they're, but they're really big fans of the form as well. Yeah, they saw so many of the Hamilton pieces. It was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and they're fantastic, and so they and they and that and they're helping bridge the gap between the the horror world and, and this world, and then, you know, the fact that like the Verge jumped in during Halloween, yeah. Brian Bishop, who's like now like a buddy and like he's a big fan of all this stuff, and then there's the you know the L.A. Times is sniffing around. A lot of that comes because mm-hmm. of tension because they they built up such a a machine to promote it, but then you have you know and you have Delusion, um, which you know, Skybound is doing a VR thing with now. That's cool. And, and 
there's there feels like there's you know it'll get the stuff will get pop up in like thr and like people will talk mm-hmm. about it and yeah you know annie lesser's work winds up in la weekly all the time yeah and so there's totally. that mainstream almost to the point where sometimes i'm like well maybe my my journalistic part of this work is done i just walk away because everyone's talking about it but i know it's not yet like it's not no, not yet it's not mm-hmm. to the point where you know anthony burns is doing it every week right um and right, I don't think the listings are complete, really. No. Either because people aren't thinking about it all as theater. Yeah. Because things, you know, especially the stuff that verges more into horror and yeah, right in escape room and stuff. Escape rooms. Yeah. Well, in the escape room, I mean, the escape rooms are, are like a whole nother thing. Oh my like, god. Just like the it's per- so exploded here. It's crazy. The oh. proliferation is it's insane. insane. Yeah. I keep meeting people who tell me they're escape room designers. I'm like, how many of you are there? There's a lot. There's so well, many. It's exciting. Like, I, God, there's like two different escape rooms that I have like, I have invitations to go check out for like nothing. And I don't have the time, right? Yeah. The hard part is like putting the right team together. I've done that like twice, once now. I'm pointing at myself. Yeah. No, I have like a whole Facebook yeah. list of people. You and I'm like, I, I, yeah. want, I want to like, I don't even, to the point where I'm like, I don't even know if the offers are still good, but I'll, I'll check. I'll, I'll put the, the notice out. It's been... <laughs> I was trying to do all that in October, and like people were offering right. me, and I'm like, I can't. Oh and then November came, and I'm like, I, I, I'm too depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I can't like, November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't. This a lost year. month. I know. This damn oh, year. I know. Um, we are in it. We are in it. We are in it. We're gonna. We'll That's we'll true. reserve. I want to get you guys' um, 2016 highlights for for, but I want to record those separately. Cool. Because um, I actually don't know. I don't know if this this will either be one of the last episodes of the year or one of the first episodes of 2017, but the the last episodes of the year for certain are sort of our, our clip show. Cool. Of, um, so who knows when this will, will air. People will be like, oh, we already heard that part. Um, <laughs> what, what has this got you focused on now, right? So you said that you you had a plan for the fall and like that you know you've swapped out because of yeah. the opportunities that, that arrived and clearly there's a design for what to do to keep Hamlet Mobile a going concern and I sure. think I think that's like a you know that's a no brainer yeah, yeah. but but what what else is what else is sticking around there you know what's been interesting I mean, we've got a number of different ideas we we had we had one, when we had the original plan for the fall we had an original plan for the spring too. And I think it's now time to revisit that. Basically, our mode of operation is that we can do kind of two big projects a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our um, company's mission with, right now, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I, think so that's, I think that's kind smart. Kind of in the spring, yeah. Yeah. in the fall. Um, so we need to, to, I don't know, do you want to talk about some of the different... I know, I know it's actually funny. Monica and I have not had to have... We have not actually talked about this. Post-mortem from yeah. Hamilton so we could, <laughs> at the count of three, say... Okay, okay, yeah, go. Totally teasing. Oh, that's I know what I would pick. If oh, you were great. just me picking. Well, no, that'll be really stressful. Knowing you're trying to create drama on the air, I can tell. But I, no, that's only sounds... with you guys. It's weird. Only with only only with this company do I ever try and create drama on the I show. You do. You right? do. That it's... one thing. That, yeah, oh, that was so fun. That moving that yeah. big moving shadow episode. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 
Well, I'm not sure which one I want to do most. So that's part of the reason I would. Well, let's okay. okay. Let's let's yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. let's not go down that pathway. Well, let's. let's well, I'll, I'll give you some answer. I'll give okay. you some answer. Yeah. Here's my some answer. Because I also have questions yeah. about like some of the you've been doing some training with people like around and, yes, like, that yeah. sort of stuff. So totally I love that. And that. and also I mentioned to you guys like casting this thing because like people are always asking oh. about casting. But no, I'm so fascinated. Let's... People, not, uh, okay. Yeah. That part's so easy to me. It's like I mean, it's hard. I mean, okay, forever. It's very time intensive, but it's always very clear. Okay, well, so come back together. Yeah, it's interesting. So basically, like, I would say that, okay, so here's what I feel like, uh, or I'll say in a general way. I think what I'm interested in our company doing is both going smaller and bigger at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Right? So because yeah. this, I feel like we're really on the same page about. Yeah. So, so one idea we have um, uses the archetype of um, a date. And we were talking about a variation on that in the fall. That's the thing we put a pin in. But I have a pitch for a different version of it that, that Monica, I don't even think you've heard. Um, but basically, you real you show up and you you realize you're on a blind date with the, the person that oh. you've shown up with, mm. um, and so the night is a blind date, um, and uh, and I, I God I won't say anymore even though I really yeah don't don't give but, up but I don't give anymore yeah, but yeah. it's gonna be something in that so that would be very small and what I love about that is it would be um, it would have no site requirements you would like meet on a street corner and you'd probably take a walk together you might get a coffee somewhere yeah you're it's it's totally spaceless venueless. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, that's so fun because we could do it any time. We could do it as part of like an immersive theater festival. We could yeah. do it. It'd be very... Uh, you could go to audience members, which would be really interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be very uh, mobile. And then the other thing I want to do is I want to also scale up a little bit. I'm still very committed to very small audiences, mm-hmm. but uh, is there a way we could do a 20 to 25 person audience in an yeah. experience mm-hmm. where uh, you're still getting... It still feels like just tons of one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, and in that... That feels like the sweet spot for everybody. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like that's almost the thing that like... That's the, that's the yeah. holy grail of these experiences, yeah. I think. Yeah. Big yeah. enough to feel like there's a group momentum and energy, yeah. but broken out enough. And in terms of that one, the idea that's been most on my mind is actually the next show from The Moving, the moving Shadow. shadow. Mm. So fictional yeah. company The Moving Shadow has, you know, they did Hamilton Beale, and now to, I want to do a second piece with them that's a separate meditation on grief. I realized basically like there's in my head this three production cycle that's all about grief Mm. that tracks this theater company's progress of releasing the spirit of their dead artistic director and it takes them three productions to do it. And so Hamilton was one. The first. And the yeah. second one is the one I want to do next, and that yeah. would be for a bigger, bigger yeah. group. Yeah, you, you told me about yeah. that a little bit. Good luck. And, and what's, <laughs> what's fun is, like, yeah. knowing that, that helped me frame yes. Eli and Frank into, yes, the like, the, meta, into the bigger thing. Into yeah, the meta. you yeah. mentioned, does Hunter still exist? Like, Hunter did exist. We decided that Hunter had left the company maybe a month before Frank showed up. Um, we kept, like, Hunter's headshot hidden in the van. like a little totem. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, he was definitely, he's real in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't get erased from the narrative. That feels right for the moving shadow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, there's a meta. And that's, that's one of the things that's interesting about the idea of, like, the, a, a meta narrative to any of this stuff, right? Like, there's yes. a couple of different ways to, to approach that as, from a design perspective. And, and this idea that, that it's, Additive but not necessary is probably the one that like I get the most excited I about love that because one. you know yeah it's it's a secret it's a secret in the world it feels a lot more the way that, like the way I experience Star Wars for uh-huh. instance for sure. than yeah. than like 
you know, there's there's a moment I'm in the middle of like participating in in one that's got a bit of an ARG right now, and like they called me last night while I was coincidentally at Good Luck again. It's mm. it's rare. It's the only the second time I've been there. Uh, and like I, I I look at my phone. It's unknown caller. I'm like I know what this is, but this bar is very loud and it's yeah. nine o'clock mm. on a on a on a Friday. And for once, I actually have a life, so I'm not gonna <laughs> participate in the ARG right now. And it's like yeah, I know. I'm sure I missed something. They left a voicemail and there was a there was an audio recording. I was like okay, and I couldn't tell. It's like is this a clue or is this this the consolation prize? But yeah. a part of me is like, you know, like I I know very much that I'm not I'm not built for that. I'm more built for if you leave the Easter eggs lying where I can find them, I will then go dig them up later. That's you know? cool. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I like that the ability to discover on your own too. Yeah. And so I actually I'm interested in which I, I think falls into uh, this idea that Lauren has for the slightly bigger show is a, a world that you can engage with a little bit more with the physical tactile experience of the world. Um, and I, I think it plays into that idea. And get yeah. some escape room designers to help you with that. There's apparently a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other problem is that then we have two other things that I'm so excited about. One show that is it is a union of escape room and immersive mm-hmm. narrative event. Yeah. That I'm really, that was that the one you were gonna say? No. That one's so good too. But that, that one's really good. We need real money for that one. Yeah. Um, and I do want That's to pair with, design. we need to pair with real puzzle and game designers like for sure to do that right. Yeah. Um, but it's sort yeah, of, I don't an, trust myself it, to build a puzzle. Really. It's basically an existential escape room. It's escaping from like a mindset. <laughs> but I want it reflected in real puzzles. Yeah. Um, and then the other crazy one, actually no, I have a meaning to mention to you is um, one time, this is, I'm now filling in Monica, one time Noah and I were getting a drink and we came up with like a dumb but kind of brilliant pitch for a immersive Gatsby um, oh. and I had a new I don't you might even remember mm. this but I I had mm. a new pitch Brilliant. for yeah. how to do I had a thought of how to do Gatsby and it it's an immersive experience that's almost like um, uh, you're like in a crazy box like a really small space mm. that's covered in drawers and things to open and experience Ooh. And you have to kind of go on the emotional and sort of thematic journey of Gatsby yourself alone in this thing. You're like trapped in this little like mm. telephone box size space, very small. You know about you know about like the theater for one box in yes. New York. Yeah, this is so annoying. I had this idea before I knew about that, <laughs> and then like yeah. a week later, I heard out about it. I'm like, mm, I don't care. I'm still doing it. Well, but the, the, uh, that, but what you're it's tra- different. That's a yeah, little proscenium yeah. almost essentially. Yeah, your your article is different. But I only yeah. say that just because like. Technically, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's this little space that basically is like the Gatsby box, and you're basically stuck in there. And if you kind of, when you get through the arc, I think there's a huge reward at the end that I won't spoil because I really want to do this. We can yeah. talk about it offline. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I well, think, I don't want you to spoil it for me either. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, you yeah. have to know about it. I have to tell you about it because you uh, you were involved okay, in the original true. conception. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it would be fun to do Gatsby where the audience is basically made to do Gatsby, Gatsby because yeah. he's such a hard to understand character when yeah. you read the novel. That was, that was our right. gag that was in our the conversation. Thing. Exactly. Was that like, like, you do an immersive Gatsby and, and it's like, the, the, the gag, it's your, your Gatsby. Your Gatsby, but yeah. I think it's, what I love about that, the smart part of it is like, you take the most oblique person and you make the audience be that and that's how you get them to understand that character. Yeah. Just yeah. whoever you are that day, well that's what Gatsby was that day and I yeah. think that's kind of fun so. It's fun. you could do you could do one of those any character that's like talked about off screen a lot. Like you could do yeah. like the third man, you know, yeah, exactly. like anytime there's 
it's it's a it's a good form. It is a good form. It, yeah. it opens something cool and mysterious up yeah. to me. Yeah. You become you become the subject of mystery. Yes, right? which is a really interesting experience, right? Yeah. It Very becomes much. quite interesting. So yeah. I don't think yeah. I've seen that. And also, where you're not required to do something specific. I think yeah. with, with asking an audience to like play a role, people are afraid of not doing the right thing. Yes. Or they, yeah. they like, I, I need to act now. And so then they yeah. make really wild and crazy choices. Yes. But so a character that actually has very little action yeah. or that's kind of more of an observer is really appropriate. Well, and then, mm, and then yes. there's like, um, what is it? There's, you know, one of the things that was interesting in Delusion is it's very much structured like one of the old uh, point-and-click adventure games mm. in that you're... your you know, it's it's obvious what you need to do. Yes. Right? But just like, just that little bit of, you know, in, you know, in, in some ways, this will sound kind of terrible, but I mean it as a compliment. In some ways, it's almost more like an old pop-up picture book. Yeah. Because like you get to the page, here's the tab, pull the tab, and the thing opens. But that, that act, that small bit of agency of pulling the tab, feels you know, it yeah. feels amazing. It's, it's like, I did it, I did it. It's like, no, you you had no other choice. Yeah. Right. But that alone is enough to get you excited about yeah. like the reveals. And and then then the way you can like sort of color the relationship because you are dealing with an actual actor. You know, like that's yes. that's always the joy in this is that there's a there's a real human being that's not just an algorithm that's being run Ugh, that you the best. that you're able to like have that interaction with. I love that. I was uh really struck by that actually by one of the games at Indiecade. So I just thought of. Yeah, this great game called Bad News. Yeah. Did you I'm, play Bad News? It's at Slamdance Dig. Yes. And I am playing it at six tonight. Oh my gosh! Oh, awesome. I can't, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, we won't yeah, say yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I just, I just am so excited about that game integrates technology and live performance in a really innovative, so simple, but yeah. genuinely elegant, elegant yeah. and like revelatory way. Haley Michelle saw it, it. At, at the dig thing and she was like, you've got to go see it. And I guess more than one person told them that they had to find me, so they hunted me down. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, well. I got, They're I got, nice guys too. I got so, Owen and so Monica sweet. coming over at 2.30, so you know, like, yeah. So glad you're doing it. It yeah. is. It's a joy. And I hope it's the same actor. It's always the same performer that we saw I think, in the I think it must be. It must be. Because it's it's yeah. great. It's okay. really good. Um, I'll, we'll trade notes. But it's just really like it's. I would. I would just love if there was more. More game designers were thinking in that way of integrating this live performance aspect. I know it limits the playability of the game, but it is the game in this case. It's so enhanced. Yeah. And I heard this is so interesting. Sam Roberts, who we were talking about, mm. told me that they actually backed into the live performance thing accidentally. Really? They invented this algorithm which basically randomly generates the entire population of a fictional town. Mm. And their history for five generations. It's crazy. Way way back. Yes. So they built built this crazy algorithm. And they were then going to design a a game where um, basically the computer somehow, I guess, generated different and sort of became different characters in the town that you interact with and they were like that's going to take too long let's just get an actor to come in and just play everybody in the town that you interact with <laughs> it'll, just, it'll be like the quick way to do it yeah. um, and then like later when we have more money or time we'll do the other thing and then the live performance aspect became so incredible yeah. And everybody responds so much to it. Yeah. That's like when I heard the when, when when the Disney guys at Imagineering were like messing around with doing live action role playing stuff in the park. Yes. They designed this computer setup to be sort of like the ultimate game master deck 
for someone like you, you have someone sitting there like in front of a computer screen and they got video monitoring and they know where all the different agents are inside like the part of the park and they're like able to tell okay group four is going over here and whatnot and oh, they wow. were all like and they were like all yeah yeah we want to get it so the computer's doing it automatically and there isn't someone sitting there and i'm just like why the you just built point. like the best game master yeah. like, that, that people would pay you to sit in that yeah. role and be like now have them do this right like totally. that's can, the thrill of being a stage man too. exactly yeah that's yeah. true right that's it's fun yeah this is making me think of westworld right now of course of course right because, yeah. yeah have you watched any of that yet monica no i haven't oh. yeah. it's good stuff. i've, I've been reading about it but yeah. i'm, I'm yeah. a little afraid of the Violence, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a hard time with yeah. violence. It's yeah. not, maybe yeah. not your show. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's not, not terrible. Like, it's keep... not. Some of it's they usually cut away. Some of it's it's not it's not as gory as Game of Thrones. No, it's still gory. The, the I most... have to stop watching Game of Thrones. The yeah. fa- the, yeah. the, when they're killing robots, they always show it, but you yeah. you really feel in your body that there are no stakes because you watch the robots be regenerated. Yeah. yeah. When they're killing uh, humans, which spoiler does start to happen, yeah. it's actually always filmed incredibly tastefully. Like yeah. that's their whole deal. Is like it's pretty far off screen or in the way way out of focus background yeah that's there's there's, there's some there's some visceral stuff yeah. that definitely happens that's true you know like they don't they don't completely shy away from that but it's it's one of the more psychological pieces of yeah of well they've been having some fun kind of t- tiny ARG stuff that comes with those episodes, oh yeah they right? have. have you been doing any of that yeah, yeah. yeah it's fun and I would say and the reason I thought of it here is because besides obviously the fact that they were influenced by all of this stuff we're talking about so clearly I also uh one of the ARG things they made it clear that uh it's like there's a control room of people who are basically trying intentionally to keep the groups of humans apart from each other in the park. Yeah. Oh. So that if you're a human in the Westworld experience, you are only you are mostly only interacting with, with robots, robots. Yeah. which makes more sense. It's like those you are the people can... who would be in character too. Right. Yeah, right. it's a more complete world, a yeah. more seamless world. It also what's interesting is it, it also assumes and and it assumes that for like safety. There's like there's good Samaritan yes. protocols where like the robots will jump in if two humans are about to like have like a, a, a real, a real fight because you can't control them. Right? The robots yeah. will like find a way to like prevent that from happening because like the guns are manufactured in such a way that humans can't get hurt. They can't the, kill each through, other. Through like magic woo whatever. They said they said in one of the things uh, that it's a bullet velocity controls. Yeah, you can be oh. like hurt. You can be like hit like bruised. Yeah. yeah, like probably get a rib broken, but you can't be killed. Yeah. So, so there's that they can have control over the matter but like people are running around with knives so like but one of the little sub stories on the ARG thing for so it funny. and this is true because like it is an ARG but it's at your own pace like yes. it was never required it only filled never out required. the world yes um, but it gave you some the, useful context it totally did there are people watching just the show and I would on Facebook be like well actually they said this in the ARG like People would be like, well, how are they doing this? Or how many robots are in the park? Or yeah. and I'm like, well, if you're doing this, you're actually getting a lot of that. Yeah, all the stuff, stuff, all the stuff that doesn't move the actual emotional story along is just yeah. like the nerdetry of like, oh, like, but I want to know how it works. Yeah. It's like, well, here's the thing. So it's perfect. It's really but fun. what's funny is like the whole thing about the safety protocols they describe <laughs> through uh, the story of this bridal party going wrong. Yeah. Right, like yeah. that's the story. Is like, like, like the bridesmaids, like they want to kill each other. So it's like, so we separated them and it kept them from doing these things. And yeah. it's, it's hilarious that like they they found a way to like run them on different narratives to make sure that they didn't go at each other's throats. Yeah, wow. and um, you're you're taking in all this information ostensibly through a fictional kind of like training module, as like, if you what are do you do? Yeah. you're an employee training at Westworld to learn how to run the security protocols. Yeah, and that's why you're and that's you have to so do clever. Is yeah. that fun? Yeah. yeah, and you have to answer multiple choice questions like. 
in the event that these two bridesmaids are about to do this to each other, what should you do? And then you pick which of the three ways to handle it. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's 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 and it teaches everything about the world. It's it's super I would clever. argue that some of that context was necessary for me to get emotionally invested in the world of the show. Mm. I think they have left out too much context in the real show. I, there's there's I think <laughs> I know yeah. this is a real off ramp we could take, but no, I'll just say yeah. I have some notes. Well, I but like well, well, I think it's I th- I think Westworld is critical, though, to this larger discussion because, you know, yeah. I've watched, you could say, like, Brian Bishop. Um, well, and maybe it wasn't Brian, but we've talked about Westworld. But, like, I've seen some writers um, describe... No, it wasn't Brian. It was someone else at The Verge. That's why I got confused. When they were criticizing Westworld pretty early on, it was like, oh, the way, the way they are depicting it right now, it's just a sleep no more where you can kill the actors. Right? Yeah. Like, that's sort of the thing. But, yeah. But... Now, with Westworld, for those who haven't seen Sleep World, we're kind of armed with, okay, so, you know, like, Westworld? Okay, but, like, not robots. People. That's right? true. Yeah, you know, that's true. Like, you're that's able to true. do that. We that's have... really true. Yeah. Also, it's funny to criticize the show for being that. It's like, why is that a problem? You know, I found, <laughs> I found the... Um, I, I found... want to kill plenty of people with Sleep I know. <laughs> well, I really found that the uh, there was a real split in the way two different communities were talking about it. I found that the mm. more gamer people were more critical of Westworld earlier because they did want to understand how it could ever logistically happen. Yeah. And I felt that the more theater people or immersive like theater people were less critical because it's like, they're just actors. Yeah. It's not... Yeah. Rocket science. Yeah. They're just yeah, actors exactly. wandering around with their loops. Yeah. So I felt like yeah. I cared less yeah. about those. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I know exactly the what technical you're stuff, Yeah, sitting there like, the they're like, well, well, they're looping in this way and like, how does it work? And, and I was like, sitting there going, I don't know. but people, weirdly basically. enough, I like, I, they're, I, yeah, they're sentient. Yeah. I leaned right into like old role playing games and I was like, well, yeah, I go into, I go into town in a role playing game and the characters are on loops until I interact with them and then yes. they go on a different loop. Yeah. Like that was Zelda. Exactly. You know, actually it was Dragon Warrior 1, but like the point was, like it's the same yeah you change by interacting with them and until you yeah. do that they just right? keep doing their loop yeah yeah, yeah it makes sense uh, yeah my it, my all my notes are as a TV writer my my theater goer creator loves it yeah I love the world of it yeah. I could spend all day in that world yeah hmm. oh, and there were some great teases into what's gonna happen the next season I know oh, alright yes. <laughs> um, this was a fantastic episode in and of itself we're gonna let the listeners go right now and then we're going to come back and record a segment for one of the end of the year shows. So. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having Noah. us. Absolutely. It was fun. Okay. We lasted all of five seconds of silence, if even that. Um, <laughs> this is going on one of the end of year shows. I haven't structured that completely yet. But I want both of your... Um, Monica, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. What, this is going to be the question. We can even... We'll take a... We can edit some time if you need to think about this. I'm looking for everyone's highlights... Immersive highlights mm-hmm. of 2016, whether as a patron or as a creator, like what 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 stands out? What what memory kind of sticks in your craw? Well, we just talked about it in the main podcast, but when we played Bad News at Indiecade, that was a that was a really cool moment for me because it was so in between a game and a theater experience, and it felt pretty emotional and. It's, it's a type of project I never would have thought of. Mm. And it felt, it felt really cool to be experiencing something that felt so inventive and had this element of, it really asked a lot of the player, 
which you'll find out when you yeah. play today. Yeah. It's so funny that this this winds up being what comes up since I'm just like a couple of hours away. I know, I love yeah. it. You're and gonna they, text me after you do it. I will. I will. Yeah. And I think my other highlight as a as a creator of immersive theater was was specifically the dinner party and the drum. It's gonna say the same uh, thing as a creator. No, it's, it's actually so interesting to hear you have the same answer. It, it was just so fascinating to see how night after night, so <laughs> Lauren and the stage manager and I would hide in the kitchen. We're like listening through a door to the conversation happening. And it it people always say kind of the same things, the audience members. It, it's uncanny. Huh. Oh, it's uncanny. It makes you feel like we are all robots. Yes. It's wow. crazy how how easy it became to predict what the natural flow of conversation. It's actually, I know, it's really unsettling. Yeah. But but in a... <laughs> no, it's really upsetting because like, my eyes like, I, popped open really Yeah, wide. Noah looked at me like I was uh, a sorcerer. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's also sort of in like a Jungian archetype type of way. Like sure. we yeah. all have the same patterns and yeah. stories in our brains and we fill things in the same way. Yeah. Well, it's what it feels like is we've all, as humans in general, and then specifically perhaps as Americans... Uh, depending on, of course, your background, um, we've agreed to certain scripts in life. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the thing in there's, there's the small talk script. Uh, there's the, oh, I just ran into you on the street unexpectedly script. There's yeah. the first 10 minutes of a blind date script, right? All, 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 all our little loops. All our little, all little loops. loops. Yeah. All little loops. Yeah. He's so happy. Okay. I stumbled over that. No, he's, uh, <laughs> he's so out of control yeah. on that show. Um, so anyway, all our loops. So we all have those little scripts that we follow that actually it's a, re- it's a relief yes. to know you're in one, it turns out. So, so what happens yeah. is, is the dinner oh party so was the dinner party script. And the only thing that varied, and, and so what, what ha- kind of happened was, uh, there are definitely different ways a dinner party could go, but the actors had a couple of scripted lines up top that signaled you which kind of a dinner party script we were in. Mm. It started with one of the actors throwing a big question out to the group to kind of goose conversation. Like, what's the best meal you've ever eaten, right? So then we know a couple people will answer because they've been yeah. asked a direct question. Yeah. Then one of the actors will pretend to spontaneously answer. But of course, they're answering with a really long pre-scripted answer. And that launches into a story that fully changes the tone and tenor of the conversation. Now we're in a different part of the dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that basically because we've all agreed to those scripts, it yeah. is very easy to guess where you're headed. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Now, is that something that you dis- – because part of this sounds like you discovered that happened. Oh, yes. Like <laughs> when you designed it, you weren't necessarily thinking it was going to go that way with that consistency or – No. Not to the degree that it happened. But I think what we did know going in was that the whole evening was built on a larger script of you're going over to a friend's house. Yeah. We're going to have dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. It was that, that, that was the template. And right. then things yeah. started filling in. Yeah, and more specifically, that that's dinner party scene just went through several drafts. Yeah. Mm. The first time it, we got up in a feed, I was like, this feels awkward. Something is off. Something yeah. in the conversation is off. So we just rejiggered it all, did it again. 
still off, still off, did another rewrite. So just like trial and error, just seeing what mm-hmm. the real people wanted to do. So, yeah. so to be fair, part of it was listening to the genuine needs of the audience at that moment in the night. Right. It mm. wasn't just like, I am a god, right. and they, you shall do as I say. Yeah. It was So when you said rewrite, listening. like even over the course of the run. Oh, yeah. Were, okay, over, yeah. I would say over the first three to four shows. Yeah, I think mm. by the fourth show it was, it was set. It was set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just turned out that basically what we were listening for is, okay, after 30 minutes of this show, because the scene happens 30 minutes into the show, mm-hmm. what of this group of 12 people tend to be in the mood to to talk about what is the flow tend to want to be right then and there. So some of it is these archetypal dinner party scripts and some of it is the specifics of those 12 people after that 30 minutes of that show. Yeah. Mm. And a little of both. Yeah. yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Well, then to talk in, in the Jungian and the Campbellian sense, like there's like, there's the, the archetype and then there's then there's the manifestation of the archetype, right? Like, like from a cultural level, it's almost like a reflection of genetics, right? You have your gene, but the how it expresses is dependent upon the the, the, the situation around you as anything else. Yeah. So you know, things are going to go a certain way, but how exactly the exact form it takes is dependent upon those twelve people yes. and, and how they're absorbing. It. Yeah, the details all come from the individual people. And to be fair, actually, the stories were all crazy different. You know, the people's favorite meals. Um, there was a part where sex stories were encouraged, and those were totally all over the all map. All really different. So, but it, somebody always told one. Always somebody always told one. You know, one of yeah. the twelve. So you're kind of playing the odds too. It's like if you only had four people in the room, I don't know if that would be the same. Yeah. It's also like. Uh, we as humans want to help or we want to step in to fill vacuums. Absolutely. Yeah. So so when someone asks a question, a call for volunteers, someone's going to do it. Yeah, somebody somebody in any somebody room wants to help. has that pressure of, I guess it's me. I guess it's me, me today. And yeah. I had sometimes, my friends who were audience members tell me afterwards, I felt the actors kind of look at me like, is it going to be me? And I was like, no. So mm. there was also always the people who said, I absolutely will not be in this script. Mm. And with an audience of 12, there was enough room for both things to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with four or one, there really isn't. There isn't. Well, with one, so long as there's, like, no one watching. Like, that's that's true, too. The, that's the, 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 yeah. yeah. the beauty, the beauty, I, I always think that people who, like, have a problem with, like, oh, I don't want to do immersive, I don't want to do interactive theater, because their experience of it is usually, like, and somebody dragged me on stage. Right. And it's totally like, right. laugh at the person who's here and stuck with us. And you don't know what to do. You don't yeah. know the script. Yeah. And you feel like everybody else does know the script. Yeah. Right, right. And that's exactly. something that actually... You know, we talk about signatures of capital W. That, I think, is something that is a signature of our work, which is that we... I I know I personally am not interested in making audiences feel alienated or estranged uh, unless it's part of a a longer journey and it's going to come back around to a place where they feel like they know what's... There was a worthwhile reason. It was worth it. Because of the subject matter, right? And they find out what it is. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's never a fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Or being exposed just for the sake of exposure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really interesting. That's the point. Yeah, Yeah, but I agree. My other one was actually going to be similar to yours, Monica. My other favorite thing of 2016 was just going to indicate it for the first time ever. That is a great festival. And I was particularly inspired by the uh, interdisciplinary conversations 
and the real like fertilization cross pollination fertilization of like all this all the stuff in my brain and then i would have these conversations with these just hardcore game makers which is different than what i do but there was such a good dialogue there i just thought it was a, such a cool breeding ground for like new ideas i left there being like have i like had like 50 ideas for games i have to make <laughs> and i was like obviously probably will make none or one of them um but uh but it really was like very expiring and opened up new avenues for me and my work in this cool way so i was quite excited about that fantastic yeah yeah all right that's a good 2016 highlight once again want to thank lauren and monica of capital w for being our guests on the show today you can find them at capital w that's the word capital the letter W, performance.com. Get more Hamletmobile stuff, find out when there's brand new material. As we know, there's going to be brand new material in 2017. Very, very exciting stuff there. Um, you can find us. If somehow this is your first episode and you stumbled in uh, and you're still listening to the sound of my voice, wow, amazing. Um, at no Persinium on Twitter, nopersinium.com is the website. It's got the links to everything, like our Medium collection, medium.com slash no-persinium, which is where you're going to find my write-up from my conversation with Anthony of Weaver. That's coming this coming week. Um, you can find our Patreon for those uh, who are back in the show. Um, you can do that there. I totally forgot at the start of the show to remind everybody, we are doing the end-of-year show and I want to collect the rest of your memories. This is something I was supposed to do at the start of the show. You're going to send them, all right? So here's, here's what you want to do. People are getting confused about this. Um, you have two options for the end of the year show. Uh, you can you know, write something up uh, and email it to us at no underscore proscenium at outlook.com. Or you can record a voice memo on your phone. You can find like voice memo on the iPhone or if you've got Android I don't know. I, I don't know what you're supposed to do. You probably, you may have to download an app. Not all of them come with built-in ones. Very confusing to me. It's the number one reason why I have an iPhone. I'm not judging you. I'm just judging you. Um, you can record. Android fans, do not write. Stay out of my mentions. Um, <laughs> I hate that phrase. Um, uh, but let's not go there. Um, record a voice memo. What we're looking for is 30 seconds, a minute. I've gotten a little more lax. 30 seconds to a minute, your favorite memories from 2016 immersive stuff. Whether you're looking at it from the point of view of a creator or you're looking at it from the point of view of um, uh, an audience member. And really, the audience members, we're, we're excited about that almost almost more than the creators. Not that we don't love the creators. We just we hear from them all the time here. This is something different. All right, um, no underscore proscenium at outlook.com for all of that stuff. Share us your memories. Several of you have already. I'm super excited about doing it. I'm going to put together that episode. Uh, I'm going to start editing it next week. I think it's going to be the one that goes the very last week of the year. Uh, we've got some interviews lined up this weekend for the first part of our two-parter, so uh, our two-part end-of-the-year special. Okay. Um, that's enough from me to you for this week. Shudder to think how long this was. 
um, these things keep getting longer and longer uh, because I keep getting more and more comfortable talking to you guys. Aw, that's almost sweet. Anyway, this has been fun. It's surreal as always. There's stuff going on out there, and there's a good chance we'll run into each other. And when that happens, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>